Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. We've been in this series called Now What? Easter comes, it goes every year. Resurrection Sunday happens, and then, man, it's like... um, Okay, we're in a mad dash from here to Memorial Day, and then summer hits, and it's just like, dude, where'd it go? Unless you're 14. Then it's like it takes forever from now to Memorial Day. But at 55, it's a blink of an eye. I mean, seriously, it's just gone. But I, I think sometimes we get on the other side of Easter, and we ought to ask ourselves, well, now what? What does all that mean to me? And now what I do? So we started a couple of weeks ago in this series, Now What?, and said, boy, we've got, we've got to really deal with our past and at some point, you got to let it go. At some point, you look through the, uh, the windshield, and you stop looking out the rearview mirror. Last week, we talked about how, you, how you've got to prepare for your future. And don't be afraid of it. What God has promised in the future for those that love him is amazing. So today, though, we thought we'd stop and talk about how, does today matter? Because, you see, I believe the Bible gives us this great perspective that today matters in a big, big way. Have you ever heard this phrase that a year from now, you're going to be glad you started today? I mean, think about it. A year from now, you're going to be glad you started today. So on April 2nd, uh, uh, I received an email from a group called future, uh, myfuture.org. Well, you'll see in a minute. Anyway, I, I, I sent a letter to myself via email a year ago. Uh, and I want to encourage you to jot this down or take a take her picture from it. It's futureme.org. That's what it is. So take a picture of the screen, and uh, but go ahead and, by the way, post a bunch of pictures today and just hashtag Sugar Hill Church on it, right? I mean, you do that where you eat, and you do that with your kids and prom and all that stuff. So just go ahead and post your church. But this is the letter that I wrote to me a year ago. Dear me, I'm tired and worn a bit today, but I write this reminder to you that pastoring Sugar Hill Church is a long race, and the good guys are winning. Raising daughters and expecting your second grandchild is aging you, but youth is a matter of attitude rather than age. You got a good life with a great wife and a wonderful girls and grandkids. Don't screw it up by missing the daily joy of being a normal husband, dad, and pop that really loves Jesus and his family. Stay the course. God is good, and I am always loved. You're probably still catching up with your finances, but you should be within reach now. Stay the course, stay faithful, and stay committed to your calling. And by the way, hopefully you're under 275 pounds. (laughs) I am! (laughs) But every now and then, I'd kill one of y'all for a Krispy Kreme donut. Today matters, doesn't it? I mean, really, I look at that letter I wrote a year ago to myself. I'd forgotten that I had done it. I encourage you, go to futureme.org and send yourself a letter. You see, I think we overestimate what we can do in a year, and we underestimate what we can do today. I mean, I really do. I think somewhere in there, by the way, that's tweetable if you want to hit that out there. I mean, I really do. I think we overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what we can do in a day. And today we want to take a look at what we're supposed to do to make today matter. Now, here's kind of an overarching thought of that, and that is the belief that we would like our future to be better than our today, certainly better than our past. Now, I don't think we'd find anybody in this room that would say, boy, I believe society is better today than it was 20 years ago. 
I mean, I think we'd all agree we've, we've got some messes in this world. But the fact of the matter is, you may not can control them, but you can control you. You do get to determine. You may not be the captain of your fate, but I promise you get to choose who is. And so when you look at this, you say it's the overarching thought that today matters if there is a reason for which what you do today makes tomorrow better. A year from now, you'll be glad that you started today. Because, see, I believe if, if today matters, part of the things that we've got to recognize is that you'll never change your life until you change something about your life today. You'll never change your life until you create a handful of habits that have turned your way of life, turned your mindset, turned your, your activity day after day. We won't really change our future until we change something about us today. Listen, here's what the book of Ecclesiastes says. By the way, today you can follow in my notes on the Sugar Hill Church app. Just open that up, hit resources, and you'll see the message notes. And all of the scripture references I use today are from the New Living Translation, if you're using version. Uh, but they'll also be on the screen and they'll be in your app. So you've got everything you need in the app if you want to follow along. All right, but here's what Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 18 says. Even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. That is indeed a gift from God. God keeps such people so busy enjoying life that they take no time to brood over the past. Wait, what? I mean, did you see the first rule of how today is supposed to matter? And that is that we start with an attitude of gratitude, that we've got to have a grateful heart. And, and why would we do that? Because according to Scripture, we are simply caretakers. God gives us things that we care for, our job, our economy, our money, our homes, our relationships, everything we own. And it's the perspective that, listen, God gave all that to us. Now, you might say, well, man, listen, I worked for that. Well, here's the good news. I know people who work much harder than you probably do and have less. And I know folks who don't work at all, and they've got a lot. But I look at this, and this is why God says, are you going to be grateful for what you have? I've spent most of my life being ungrateful for what I have, but wanting something else. I've spent most of my life spending my time thinking about what I want and what I don't have, as opposed to being grateful for what I do have. There's a reminder on my iPhone, and I would encourage you to do this. Just open up your reminders and create a reminder. At 10 a.m. every single day, my reminder pops up and asks this question, Chuck, comma, are you grateful today? And you know what happens every day at 10 o'clock when I open it? It annoys a stew out of me. I mean, if I had the conviction to erase it, I would. But you know what it reminds me every day? Because I think it's very intentional that you have an attitude of gratitude. Am I grateful that I get to do what I do? Am I grateful that I have the family I have? Am I grateful that I'm not one of those children in the orphanages in Haiti? Am I grateful that I don't live in Belarus? Am I grateful I don't live in communist Cuba? Am I grateful that I live in Gwinnett County, Georgia? Am I grateful that God has provided this for me? I look at this and, and literally I see... I thought I worked for it, but it says God gave me everything. I'm a caretaker. Be grateful. You say, well, Chuck, how can I be grateful? I don't have a job. I got bills. I got bad health. Well, let me ask you something. Are you like Gwinnett County poor or are you like Haitian poor? Are, are, are you Gwinnett County poor or are you Kenya poor? There's a big gap there, isn't it? 
And so I, I think one of the reasons most of us never move past today and get out of the rut of yesterday is that we spend our time wishing about what we might have rather than being grateful for what we do have. When we're grateful today, tomorrow is better. Gratitude. Job observed in Job 121, he says that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, why would Job have that ability to say that? Because he had the capacity to know who the giver was and the capacity to know that that gift was temporary. You ever heard this phrase, money can't buy happiness? That's a lie. Money can most definitely buy happiness. If I can go out and buy a brand new boat today, happy. If I could go buy one of those new Chevy trucks, I mean, Rusty, happy. Hey, you know what? I mean, if, if I could, if some dude's Ford, come on. You think I'm at a NASCAR race here? Come on. If you're watching online, yes, we do have a fair share of rednecks here. Thank you. I know some dude in the back saying, oh, Dodge, bro. <laughs> Money does buy happiness. You know what the problem is? It's fleeting. Because sooner or later, that boat's got holes in it, and it gets rips, and it, it sits there and unused for seven months, taking up my garage. And you know what? It buys me happiness, but it's fleeting. But to find a sense of gratitude changes everything in my attitude. I mean, our recognition of God is the one who gives. He gives us the capacity to be grateful. It's all a matter of whether you take him up on it. I mean, there's, a, there's an old commercial fisherman, and he's sitting beside his boat with his feet up on the cooler, just looking out at the bay. And on the other side of the dock, a group of very wealthy businessmen who'd been on a so-called retreat had been out on a fishing expedition. They came in, they got off this fancy boat. Dude looked at the guy sitting there, and he just, just annoyed him. He walked up and said, hey, man, why aren't you out there catching more fish? He said, well, I've caught enough fish today. He said, you can never have enough. What? You need to go out there and go deeper. What if, if you catch more fish, you can buy new fishing equipment. If you have new fishing equipment, you catch more fish. For more fish, you can make more money. You can buy a really nice boat. Then you can go out and enjoy life like I do. And the guy looked at me and said, but that's what I'm doing now. Sometimes I think we miss the point that we have the choice to be grateful. I mean, here's, here's the honesty about your pastor. I, I've spent most of my adult life with an ungrateful heart until I began to recognize, wait a minute, that's my choice. I can choose to be grateful. And in that process of being grateful, I realized this perspective. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. All right, you ready? Here's the key. Let money be your servant to serve others. Don't let money master you so that it masters you in totality. Let, let, let money be a way you serve, not money in which it owns you and controls you. I mean, the lesson here is that God wants us to work hard, enjoy the good gifts that he's given us, but be grateful. I mean, the Old Testament and the New Testament come together in this picture. Be grateful. Why? Because when you're grateful, it leads to contentment, and contentment then leads you to peace. I, am, I have come to believe that the great, single greatest commodity on the planet is peace. I, I don't think you get peace until you have freedom. I don't think you get to peace until you're grateful. Because to be peace, to be at peace with God, to be at peace with your family, to be at peace with mankind, you've got to have the sense I'm grateful where I'm at. I, I may not have everything, but I'm, I'm grateful. 
Here's what Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 11. Not that I was ever in need, for I learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know what Paul's saying? Whether I've got a full stomach or an empty one, whether I've got, got a big bank account or no bank account, whether I have a job or don't have a job, whether I live in that home or don't live in that home, I can do all things through Christ. Therefore, I'm pretty stinking content here. So let me ask you a question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing in your attitude with gratitude? Because if we're going to make it, if tomorrow's going to be better, we've got to get grateful today. I mean, we have to intentionally stop and be grateful. Why? Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Listen, I'm breaking the record for the amount of Scripture references in one sermon today, all right? Jeremiah 20, I mean, yeah, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Here's what God says. You know why you ought to be grateful? I got a plan. I got a great plan. Matter of fact, I know exactly what your next steps are. And if you'll allow me, I'll guide you in those steps so that you can not only be grateful, but you can be successful. But you pick. Is that, is that the way you want to go or not? I mean, think about this. I read this this week. Let me quote it. The service we render to others is really the rent we pay for our room on this earth. We are simply caretakers. The purpose of this world is not to have and to hold, but to give and to serve. There is no other meaning. You know why Sugar Hill Church exists to serve people? Because this is what we're called to do. When you're grateful for what you have, it leads to the next step. You know what the next habit is? A habit of generosity. When you're, when you're grateful, you're generous. I mean, have you ever seen anybody that was really grateful for what they had that didn't want to share what they have? I mean, and you know, say, so here's the problem. Most of us think generosity of money. I would say the greater generosity is the giving of you. Now, money's a big deal. Don't get me wrong. But I, but I, I really believe it's, it's, it's a matter of the heart. So I would, I would say, let's take a look at four quick things about holy habits. How do we determine every day that it's going to be better? Number one, we've got to learn to value people. We've got to value people. Did you know the same emotion that we receive love with is the way we receive value? So when we receive value, it's amazing. So we value other people. That means treating people with respect. Some of us in this room are bigots. Some of us in this room are, are jaded. Some of us think more highly of ourselves than others. But when we begin to value other people, you know what happens? We are both grateful and generous. So think about this. The God who created them is the same God that made you. And he looks at both of you and says, I didn't make a single mistake. Value people. Number two, know what people value. You know what that requires? You got to listen to people. Is there something I can do? Which leads me to number three. We make ourselves more valuable by listening to people, understanding, and stop shouting. Stop telling the world what we're against and start finding out what people are for so we can help guide them to what God wants. I mean, do you, do you really want to follow somebody screaming and shouting at you all the time? I mean, every time I see uh, marchers with, with signs, I think to myself, I, I, re- I can't imagine what they're doing. Jesus walked through towns and said, here, let me help you. And then finally, do the things that God values. Since God unconditionally loves people, we ought to love people. And we, it's not up for, for debate. Colossians 3.13 says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Ouch. 
I mean, I believe it's impossible to see the future is better if we're determined to harbor bitterness and anger and pettiness and jealousy, bigotry, gossip, because all those are a picture of an unforgiving heart. Luke 6.37 says, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Don't condemn others, or it will come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done some stuff this week that I need forgiveness for. How about anybody else? Yeah. Now, if you're in here and you say, no, not me. I've been perfect all week long. You probably need forgiveness for lying. I mean, we're just, we are messed up people, right? Wherever, wherever two or more are gathered, you got problems. And so really, we, we got to have an attitude of gratitude, and that attitude of gratitude leads to generosity. When we live gratefully today, we live generously today. When we live generously today, you know what else we do? We forgive today. Those three come as a package deal. Paul says again about the attitude of the heart in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. And you say, man, I, I can't do that, Chuck. Me either. Dude, hang around with me for like three days, and it's like, you're a what? You're a pastor? Come on, really? I mean, I, when I run into folks I went to high school with, and they say, man, what are you doing now? I said, well, I'm pa- you're do what? Man, you have made a radical change from there to then. But I got to tell you guys, listen, that's because we, we've got to form an attitude of gratitude that leads us to an attitude of generosity, which makes it easy to have an attitude of forgiveness. Now, for some of us, forgiveness is a process. Like, you ever get in an argument with your spouse, and it's like one of you just says, okay, I'm sorry, I'm kind of done with it, and you, in like two minutes, you just want it, we're all good, but they're holding on to it, and it's like they're, they're just not talking, you know? You, have you been there? Yeah, I, like sometimes when me and Jen are, we're not right, you know? I mean, it's like one of the two of us, we're just like hanging on to it, and you know how you hang on to it? So what do you want to eat? I don't guess it really matters to me. Not that you care. You know what I'm saying? Some of it's a process. For some of us, it's an action. I'm so sorry. And once you say it, it's like, done. But for all of us, it's a necessity. Whether you're a processor or you're an action guy when it comes to forgiveness, it's all necessary, regardless of what it looks like. By the way, have you ever noticed it really is an attitude of the heart? Everything Jesus teaches is about an attitude of the heart. Like, take for instance, same words, totally different perspective. Okay, fine, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. See the difference? I mean, sometimes it's just an attitude of the heart that drives our mouth. By the way, Scripture also teaches whatever's in your heart is coming out of this mouth. You got bitterness in your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. You got gossip in your heart, you got it coming out of your mouth. You got bigotry in your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. We have to be in the forgiveness business. Step one, you got to change our lives. Step two, you got to live life intentionally. You got to live it purposefully. I mean, listen to what Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 8. And now, one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? I mean, that sounds like a great deal. So you look at it and say, well, how how do I do that? 
right? Let's get really practical. Number one, determine the person God wants you to be. Now, I, listen, I have people, an endless string of people that come into my office through the week, so I just don't know what God wants me to do. Can you help me? Okay, number one, I am not the Long Island medium, and she's crazy as land. But beyond that, listen, most of you know the person God wants you to be. You really do. I guarantee you, you don't look in the mirror and say, oh, I can't imagine what God would want me to be. Okay, let me ask you this. You're in line, and the guy in front of you is at the express line with 10 or more items, and he's got 87. And you're in a hurry. And everything in you wants to unload on that dude. Okay, let me ask you a question, okay? Does God want you to drop the F-bomb on that dude or have patience and move to another line? Simple. All right, so I'm in there, and the guy cuts me off in 285 and then slams on his brakes. Now, what do I do? Do I, do I ride up on his back, and do I let him know he's number one with both hands and then really unload on him? And then when I ride around him, he sees my Sugar Hill sticker on the back? No-brainer, right? Listen, we, most of us know exactly. As a matter of fact, I'd say all of us know exactly the things God wants us to do. It's whether we act on them or not. Number one, listen, it's determine the kind of person God wants you to be. Number two, what kind of person do you want to be? I mean, seriously, do you, do you like to hang out with people that are just whiners? I mean, seriously, never trust a whiner. I mean, every, oh, no. You know, I don't want to hang out with that dude. Seriously. I mean, I want to pull the pin, fire in a hole. Right? I mean, what kind of person do you want to be? When you merge the person you want to be with the person God wants you to be, then you're allowing God to lead you because when you become the person you want to be, you'll become the person God wants you to be because he will have the right position on the throne of your heart. You get to pick. You see, I, I want to emphasize this to you. The, this doesn't happen overnight. The development of these things don't happen overnight. If you want to retire wealthy, you don't wait till you're 72 and say, hey, let's put 100 bucks a week aside. Right? Bad plan. Right? If you want to run a marathon, you go down to Dick's and you buy those super cool neon Nikes and you put on your, your clothes and you start running at 100 yards. Right? So what, what if you walked 50 steps today, 100 tomorrow, 150 after that? By the end of the year, you're walking 10,000 steps a day. I, I, want, I, want to, I want to read my Bible. I want to pray for 30 minutes a day. Okay, calm down. Take it easy, Billy Graham. All right? Do this. Take it down a notch. What if you just did four minutes a day on the app with that prayer devotion? You just did four, but you did it consistently. Because, see, the key here is every day do we move a little closer toward what God wants us to be. Not one big splash. Listen, one big splash, anybody can jump in the pool and make a splash. But every day we keep moving in the right direction. Why? Because the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord's delight are in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Fear looks not like, ah, it looks like, ah. Are you with me? I mean, come on, you could do that with me. Fear does not look like, let's do the first one. Ah, you didn't do it. I mean, seriously, some of you men are sitting there like, sissies. Come on, try it one more time. Here's the fear one. All right, here's the great one. Doesn't that make you feel better? People online are like, what in the world? Watch this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. You see, purposeful living is rooted in what we really believe. You see, when you live gratefully and generously, when you live forgivingly, when you decide you're going to live purposefully, you know, there's something overwhelming that happens. And, and you know what's, what, what is amazing? It proves this next statement. You might try to live what you profess, but you will inevitably live what you believe. Some of us, see, this, that's the meaning of the word hypocrite, by the way. When, when you live what you profess, that is fleeting. You will inevitably believe what you will inevitably live what you truly believe. This is what it comes down to. I want to be generous. I want to be grateful. I want to be forgiving. I want to have purpose in my life. I want to be intentional. Then, then answer this question, okay, is Jesus really the biggest deal in your life? I mean, if, if, you, if you set aside and said, all right, Lord, I'm going to let you guide my steps. I'm going to let you give me direction. I'm, 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 I'm going to let you turn this heart into a grateful heart. I'm going to let you turn this life into a generous life. I'm going to let you take this heart and turn it into a forgiving heart. And I'm going to let you take these days, this day, and let me live intentionally on purpose for you. And when you do, Jesus, I'm going to trust you to make my tomorrow better because his promise is if you'll let him, he will. But that's on you. Are you just going to allow him? He'll do the heavy work. You just got to say, I do. Is Jesus the biggest deal in your life? Secondly, are, are you willing to let him lead? Are you, are you going to be willing to, to grow and become more like him? Man, that, that takes gratitude and generosity and forgiveness and purposefulness. So here's what I ask you to do. I want to ask you, we're, we're about done. Just grab grab a piece of paper, your bulletin, put it in your iPad or your iPhone, whatever you got. I want to ask you to think of one thing that you could do this week that would radically change your life a year from now. Now, let me stop and say, don't fall in the trap of believing, okay, I, I'm going to get healthy, so at lunch, I'm going to eat like a rabbit. Remember, Start small, think huge. Start small, think huge. What's one thing you could do? Listen, for some of us, you know what it would be? I'm just going to be nice. I mean, can you see what a blessing it would be for people if you're just nice? I mean, all right, here, go through this quick exercise, right? I want you to think of the meanest person you know, put their head in your mind. Who's the meanest person you know? Think. You got it? Are right, you got who that is? All right, let me ask you a question. Some dude on the front road says them. So, <laughs> all right, watch this. When you think of the meanest person you know, have you ever walked away from them and thought, wow, they love Jesus? Think of the stingiest person you know. Get that per get it in your mind. The stingiest person you know. Think of it. You ever walked away from them and said, man, that guy loves Jesus? Think of a person who's harboring bitterness and anger and gossip and uh, it just has an unforgiving heart and all they can do is talk about their past and how awful somebody did them. Are you, have you ever walked away from the saying, man, that dude, that's like Jesus. But you know, when I'm around people that are grateful, it's captivating. When I'm around people who are generous, I want to be generous. 
When, when I'm around people that are forgiving, I want to forgive. And when I'm with people who have a purpose in their life, I want to make my purpose stronger. I was sitting over there with Jen during our worship set, and man, I just, I just love watching Ben sing. Um, I, I've just seen God do such a cool work in his life. And it, it, absolutely, I just, I get all teared up sitting there just watching this dude sing. But in my line of sight between me and Ben, I see Marty and Steve sitting down there. And, and I, watch, I, I watch old Steve sing. And listen, if there's ever been a man's man, it's that dude. And I, I, I watch him tear up and sing. And, and then I look at Marty, and I, wa- I watch her raise her hands and sing and just praise. And when I look at them, you know what I want to do? I, I want to praise more. I want to be grateful more. I want to be generous more. It's captivating, isn't it? What one thing can you do this week to move in that direction? Don't change it all. Start with one thing. And a year from now, you'll be glad you started today. Father, we love you. And we pray that a year from now, what we do today not only would matter, would make our life bigger and better. We'd make this world a better place because of what you did and how we allowed you to take the lead in our life. God, we're grateful that when we call on your name, you hear us. And God, there are folks in this room that have never taken a step toward gratitude or generosity because they've never asked you to forgive them for all the mess-ups and for all the selfishness and for all the sin in their life. And so, God, I pray that each one of those people on their own, individually, would simply say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me, and I want to trust you for heaven. I want to follow you in baptism. I want to live for you. Give me a grateful heart. Give me a generous life. Give me a forgiving spirit. God, I want my life to live on purpose so that a year from now I'll be glad I started today. So Lord, do everything you want to do in our life. Let us place you at the cornerstone of our home. Grab hold of our lives and call us into a life that makes a difference. God, a year from now, I pray that our community wouldn't look the same, our home wouldn't look the same, our church wouldn't look the same, because our heart hasn't looked the same. That you've given us this sense of, I am so grateful for what you're doing, what you're yet to do. I want to be generous with all that you've given me. I want to forgive like you forgave me, and I want my life to count for people. So God, draw us unto yourself. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.